Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis, and as always, I am with Colin and Craig. How are you both? I'm good, Dennis. I'm doing good. All right. Well, we just got done doing something we haven't done before, where we all saw Moonlight together, and now we came immediately from that showing, and we are now recording this episode. So yeah, we saw this movie less than an hour ago. We're still kind of buzzing from being at the theater. It's <laughs> I, I kind of like it. I, I kind of hope we do more movies like this. Yeah, it's a fun experience. Um, but anyways, this is our uh, third part of our Oscar nomination for Best Picture block. Um this recommendation was Colin's, so I'm going to pass it off to him to introduce the movie. Okay, uh, Moonlight is a movie from 2016. It is directed by Barry Jenkins. It tells the story of Sharon, a uh, young man, a uh, young black man growing up um, in Florida, and it is in three parts. The first part is part one, Little. Sharon, played in this part of the film by Alex Hibbert, is a shy, withdrawn child, dubbed Little for his meek personality and size. He is found hiding from a pack of bullies by Juan, played by Mar- Marshala Ali, a crack dealer who takes Sharon to his house where he lives with his girlfriend Teresa, played by Janelle Monet. After being fed dinner and allowed to spend the night, Sharon begins to open up. The next morning, Juan delivers Sharon back to his emotionally abusive mother, Paula, played by Naomi Harris. The only other person in whom Sharon finds companionship is Kevin, played in this part by Jaden Pinner to whom he begins to grow attached. Sharon and Juan continue to spend more time together, the latter teaching Sharon how to swim while advising him to make his own path in life. One night, Juan notices one of his customers smoking crack in a nearby car with Paula. Juan berates Paula for smoking crack while Paula rebuffs him for selling it to her. Nevertheless ashamed, she takes out her frustration on Sharon. The next morning, Sharon admits his hatred for his mother to Teresa and Juan. After confronting Juan about selling drugs to his mother, Sharon leaves as Juan hangs his head in shame. We now come to part two, Sharon. Now a teenager, Sharon, now played by Ashton Sanders, is frequently bullied by one of his peers, Terrell, played by Patrick DeSeal. Though continuing to remain close to Kevin, now played by Harrell Jerome, uh, Paula has since become addicted to crack solicits herself and coerces Sharon to give her money given to him by Teresa, with whom he continues to spend nights over, despite Juan now being deceased. One night, Sharon has a dream in which Kevin has sex with a woman in the backyard. On another night, Kevin visits Sharon at the beach near his house. While smoking a blunt, they discuss their ambitions in life and the nickname Kevin has given Sharon, Black. After a chat charged moment the two boys kiss and kevin gives sharon a handjob the next morning terrell pressures kevin into partaking in a hazing ritual ordering him to punch sharon to which he reluctantly complies sharon refuses to stay down forcing kevin to hit him multiple times once sharon is unable to get up terrell and the others nearly stomp him until they are chased away by the security guard a social worker urges Sharon to reveal the identity of his attackers, but Sharon believes reporting them will not solve anything. The next day, he walks into class and smashes a chair into Terrell's back. Sharon is subsequently arrested. As he is put into the police car, he glares at Kevin, who is standing by. We now get into part three, Black. Now a hardened adult, Sharon, now played by Tavante Rhodes, is a drug dealer living outside of Atlanta, going by the name Black. Having moved up since running drugs and 
after leaving Juvie, he now leads a similar life to the one Juan led. At one point, he observes grown-up Terrell and his family from a distance while grabbing a gun, implying that Sharon has never forgiven the intense bullying suffered during high school. Sharon receives frequent calls from Paula asking him to visit. One night, he gets a call from Kevin, now played by Andre Holland, who asks Sharon to visit him in Miami, where he works as a server and a cook at a diner, also apologizing for his actions as a teenager. The next morning, Sharon wakes up to find that he has had a wet dream. The following day, he goes to visit his mother, who now resides at a drug treatment facility and has become repentant of her previous behavior. After a tense exchange, Sharon tearfully forgives her. Sharon travels to Miami to reunite with Kevin, but when they finally meet, Sharon is reluctant to speak or drink with Kevin, who himself is surprised by Sharon's new appearance and simple motivation for seeing him. After a romantic re-encounter while playing the song Hello Stranger in the restaurant's jukebox, both head over to Kevin's home. Kevin confides that although it may not have turned out the way he had hoped, he is still happy with his life now. Sharon admits to Kevin that he has never had intimate relationships with another person, let alone another man, after Kevin. They physically reconcile shortly after that. Kevin shows up holding Sharon in a tender embrace. In a flashback, a young Sharon plays in the ocean in the moonlight. So that is more or less me stumbling through the synopsis of Moonlight. <laughs> um, but before we go any further, um, Dennis, I just really like your uh, Miami costume. Thank it's, you. It, I... <laughs> it, it, you've got, you know, the cars, the classic cars and everything. You've got a whole section of beach. It, it's just so well done. Yeah, you know, I, I was just down in Florida with my dad and got this real, you know, the vibe of of that state and so i you know decided to dress as a kind of a set piece of miami on the coast so you know that's you why definitely i brought the flair just high on cocaine right now <laughs> and yeah I, you, you've been really jittery it's insane man <laughs> i sold everything i had and bought a lamborghini which i've already traded in for this cocaine habit so it's kind of the costume you see in front of you but yeah, um, I really appreciate Craig's costume of dressing as all three stages of the main character um, as a kid and then as well as a teenager and then a full-grown adult. Like, you really, you know, shaded each one of those stages of his life in there pretty pretty seamlessly. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's kind of like this... I found this crazy weird makeup at this weird little shop in an alley and it was... I'm pretty sure there was, like, an old wizard there, but um, somehow this makeup I can... As I turn, I can age. Yeah, to yeah, the left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like an I old can... hologram. Card. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> like those old like movie, you know, like the VHS tape like cases, you know, where you can see it from one side and then you see it from the other, and it's like a completely different person. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the magic of makeup. And, <laughs> Very well done. And of magic makeup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin. So I see you decided to dress up as Juan's car. Well, yeah, you know, I, I just thought that it was such a nice car. I, I like those old style automobiles and the rims and everything. Those yeah, even with the little crown that's yeah, like on it, the dashboard here. The, the crown was really the, the final touch in, in pulling this together. And I just I'm glad you guys noticed. But Bravo. It, and like a fully functioning car. I mean, it was really cool that you took us to the movie theater today. Well, you know, I, I, gas is a little expensive in it, <laughs> but but, you know, it's worth it for for it to be fully functional. <laughs> uh, 
So anyway, let's let's get into Moonlight. Um, wow. <laughs> I mean, really wow. Like, really wow. And, and I would say if I had to try to describe this movie to a stranger, I would say it's like a three-episode arc of The Wire if uh, it was oh. done by Darren Aronofsky. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking I was thinking roughly the same thing. Aronofsky is the guy that did Requiem for a Dream, right? Yes, yeah. Requiem yes. for a Dream and oh my Pie God. and Black Swan. Colin, get out of my fucking head because I thought pretty much the same thing. It was like... <laughs> It was like, this is like The Wire, but with even more social commentary and crammed into an amazing movie. Like, it was so fucking well done. Um, yeah, it took me a little while to kind of work out what was happening in the movie because it kind of it kind of like, like felt this floating thing. And I wasn't sure at the beginning whether Juan was supposed to be the main character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as we go through in the different stages, we you know, quickly find out that um, Chiron is the main character of this movie and his struggle. And I thought it was going to be a little bit more about Juan taking care of him yep. and like what that led to. I didn't know it was going to be like another, like two phases of this kid, like growing up. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was really well done. And I also thought that it was the type of movie where there's a lot of movies where the, it's a movie about a person experiencing like a story or like like series of events or like the story of that is kind of like the main part of it. Uh -huh. I feel like this movie, like the entire story was the character himself as right. opposed to like, it wasn't necessarily like, yes, it was like the things that were happening to him, but it was a lot more, it wasn't about any particular thing or theme that was going on and like it no. was just about him, him coming of age living his life. Yeah, it, it, is. it is a coming of age tale, yeah. it is, but it's also just done in this Way, why, part of why it reminded me so much of The Wire is it's just unflinching of its representation of that lifestyle and like the poverty that he grows up in. Brutally and, honest. And it's just so, at times, difficult to watch. Right. But it's, it's or even so understand honest and so, yeah. They don't, they don't hold back on any of the lingo. You know, it's, it, you're just assumed to understand what they're talking about, which brings you into it. I mean, it's not like annoying that you don't get what they're, talking about it's just the dialect you know and and it pulls you into more of what the the society that this poor kid is growing up in you know and well that's the thing too is they they not only utilize you know like the dialect and vernacular um just kind of as you're saying like in an unassuming way where it's not something that's like highlighted or like pointed out to be like oh yeah this is what it's like in the hood right it's like no this is just like this is just what it's like it's yeah. just Not, taken as a given yeah right. this is yeah, yeah. and yeah. at the same time they also use like silence in a lot of those ways so where, well. like there's so many moments where like one thing is said and then like the emotion that is conveyed from that point on is completely silent and within like body language and facial like facial movement and um, yeah, they utilize not only the words that are spoken, but the words that aren't spoken it, very, it, it, very effectively. It, it, it's a champion of, of holding tension with like the elephant in the room type of thing. Um, the perfect scene is the diner scene, which stretches on very long. But the reason why it does is to really bring in that tension that both these men want to say something and neither of them have any idea how to even start to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's something that they can't talk about until somehow they just do. Right, yeah. It, it, 
But coming back to what um, you guys were talking about a second ago about the use of silence in this movie and the use of uh, the dialogue in this movie, it also is the use of music because the music is sparse throughout. But then when the music does happen, it's it's kind of remarkable. It's we have classical music while a bunch of just young men in the hood are playing soccer with a paper ball. Yep. And we like a lot of other times of us using classical music or the song in the diner is the thing that pulls them together. And a lot of orchestral tuning. I, I noticed. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of some of the music in There Will Be Blood. Right, it, yeah. It, like kind of disjointed, um, discordant music throughout like a, a lot of like it. Like a radio Or even in, once album. again, back to Aronofsky, like record Yeah, again, mm-hmm. like Aronofsky. Um, also kind of like Aronofsky is what you were talking about, how the whole thing is kind of floating around and the narrative oh, the doesn't, cinematography? doesn't fully come together, but also the very kinetic cinematography. The camera yes. is, is always moving. Right, and, and, and uh, it, the, the dynamic focusing that they use to convey emotions you know like um when he gets beat up really bad you know and uh, the social worker is like do you want to press charges if you don't press charges this is going to keep happening and then she fades out like the audio cuts out of what she's saying everything goes out of focus except for just chiron's face and and he really focuses hard on his feet all of a sudden you know and you can really Oh, so much empathy is just conveyed in this movie. It, it's almost this is this movie is so fucking good that like I haven't seen such a good movie in so long that I feel like the movies that I've seen lately is like those aren't movies. This movie, <laughs> this is a movie. Yeah, like, this is fucking good. Well, well like the, you've seen movies that are good, but you haven't seen a movie that's this much art oh. in a while. A movie that is like as good at conveying empathy or as good at like making you understand a character or where a character is coming from as well as this movie does. It's it's really great. Right, and, and, and to do so in a way that doesn't isn't like, oh well this reminds you of something, right? Audience member. It's like I'm a I'm a I'm, you know, was raised middle class white guy who's straight. I am not related to this main character at all. <laughs> and, and and I I feel for him so well, you know, and and I really appreciate movies to do this because fuck man, like I don't want to be ignorant. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it definitely like I mean, there are even things, you know, as a gay black man, like I grew up in, you know, a low income, like low income family, but it wasn't like I didn't live in the projects. I lived in like, you know, a fairly it's like an all right neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, anything spectacular, but, you know, I lived in a very small house, but it was a house and it was like just those moments where watching this movie and seeing just like how far down like that goes and like, right. like and like help, help me have an appreciation for my own life oh, even God. So, like because like even though like i was like you know i was picked on i was you know called a faggot you know growing up like and i've had that but i've never like literally had the shit kicked out of me like because i was gay like i've never had that experience i've like usually just been so like so quiet and like timid in myself that you know i've been able to just kind of like shut it out and like walk away from it most of the time but like sometimes it's like so fucking hard when right. there's no escaping it and that's all that you know and that's all that's around you and this movie does a very good job of showing that kind of like feeling like there's more and like like experiencing like these moments of like oh like someone's reaching out to me and like you know helping me and like you know my mom's a crackhead and somehow like the crack dealer that's like selling her is like More the person comfort. in my life who is 
like uh, a figure of authority and someone who is a figure that is like there to help me. So it's like, how shitty is that when it's like the crack dealer is like the closest thing to a father figure in this movie for this character. The, the crack dealer who, uh, when he's teaching Sharon to swim, he, there's a moment where the way the scene is framed and the way it's blocked, it's like he's baptizing yep, him. Yeah, the same thing. It, I, it was really crazy. I just wrote down that note because it was like such a stark image and such a thing just be like, oh, wow. I, I know, and, like, but the movie does that too. I mean, it's limited with its time and there's so much material it needs to cover. And it uses scenes like that to show that, oh, this guy who's a crack dealer kind of is using this kid to kind of vindicate his existence you know i'm gonna raise this child to be better or you know this kid i'm trying not to say you know so (laughs) (laughs) uh and i've noticed that in several scenes where they would it was shot in such a way and the scene was structured in such a way to convey even more without even saying anything there's so much non-dialogue going on that conveys so much story and like but, I said, I haven't seen a movie like that in a but while. But going into even what you were saying about how, you know, the crack dealer is, you know, saying I'm going to, like, raise, you know, this kid and, you know, try and help him, like, bring him out of this situation. But at the same time, because he was a hero to that kid, like, that's the lifestyle that he ended up going into. Because right. yeah. this person yeah. was, like, as much as he was trying to help him get above that, this was still, like, the most, like prominent person that he knew in his life this is like the person who had been taking care of him that's the most secure frame of reference that Chiron knew and so yeah like in in the end it may not have been like what he aspired to be but it was essentially like what he knew as far as comfort and as far as the closest thing like you know he felt to like receiving love because you know until his mom he has that forgiveness scene with his mom there's not really any love from his mom outside of you know, she says that she worries about him, but then tells him, like, leave the house. Right. She has someone coming over. And then, like, when he comes back the next morning, she's like, where were you all night? I was worried sick. It's like, you told me to leave. He's like, well, I didn't tell you to. You didn't have to leave all night. And it's like, right. Well, how was I supposed to know when to come back? You know? And well, <laughs> with us talking about the mom, let's just get into that character oh, and please. how well the movie handles this character. Because we actually see, without her getting a tremendous amount of screen time, we see a real transformation in her from one end to the other. Cause the first scene with her, she's clearly has her stuff together. She's, yeah, she's an, a nurse. She's somewhere. a nurse. She's got a job. She's stable. She's worried about him because he's been out all night. Then the next time we see her, she's starting to do drugs. And then after that, she's starting to collapse. And we like, just in all of these brief scenes, we see her going through this downfall. And then she's redeemed at the end when she goes into rehab and she professes like her, love for him but also her disappointment in how she handled things and right. it, it's a really well done scene it's a really well orchestrated character arc with a very limited amount of screen time for this actress it, which just displays the genius of filmmaking that this film went underwent you know you know um and <laughs> <laughs> just one last thing on that on that dynamic of the main character in this it, it, his his childhood where and that's there's there's the scene that we're kind of loosely talking about where he leaves his mom's house because she's fucked up on drugs and he knows that juan who's like kind of raising him at this point is the drug dealer that his mom is getting drugs from and he goes to the house and confirms those things 
and you can you see the wind like come out of the sails where it's just like well i got nowhere to go you know this yeah. is it this is the best i got you know the, the person that's killing my mom is the better figure like fuck and as an audience member i'm just like oh god <laughs> <laughs> um i really like the um the relationship with uh Chiron and Kevin, I thought was, it was so, I don't know. I, I really liked the way that they were portrayed in terms of this, these guys who were like, you know, two friends from, you know, childhood. They'd kind of, you could tell they've like a little bit like kind of like gone into separate groups a little bit, like when they got into high school. Yeah. Um, and like, just like that, like that scene where it was just like, I, saw it coming when um what's it Terrell, the uh the elder kid with the dreadlocks who like wanted him to punch him in the face. It was just like this like the those scenes playing back to back was just like one of the like most crushing scenes I'd seen in a movie in a long Absolutely. time. Oh and that that's also more why it feels like a Darren Aronofsky movie because it just like punches you in the gut like yep. that. Well and yeah and and it's it kind of goes to show like, you know, even in this, this kid's life who is like, he's dealing with so much shit. Like even like the little like good shit that he gets, like only lasts for so long. And it's just like, he ends up like every time he turns around, it's like when he finds something good, he like comes back and there's like something shitty, like to back it up and like reinforce like all the stuff that he's been going through so far. And, um, so like, I thought that, the way they kind of turn that back and forth and then like at the end like with it closing like in his arms like i thought that that was like really like even though at the end of the movie you're still not really sure where things are going to go or what's yeah. going to happen next like it's still like that was really awesome we're just like all right we're going to end on this good note of like this relationship and who knows what it's going to happen between right. these two yeah but at the very least it's like he still found out that like you know like it was there all along, you know, like the, <laughs> yeah, it, I got a sense. I mean, maybe I'm just more jaded, <laughs> but I felt like what the movie really did well was that Kevin and Chiron, they, they both kind of used each other to realize their own sexual orientation, you know? And I didn't really feel like there was like a true love between them. I thought it was more of just like a, like, God, how, fucked up it is is that we can't even like like their relationship is it, it's to establish the, like in the movie it was that the, it's used to establish to figure out who they are individually it wasn't well, yeah. really like a love well, story no like, yeah well, i don't well, I, I, I go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no yeah i definitely like no, i'm not arguing that they like are having a romantic relationship right. or that yeah they're gonna like fall in love and be together forever like because that was very like the movie in no way really established that or even sets no, that up right. other than to say like these are two kids like one of them is like you know confused one of them like knows who he is a little bit more like, sure of himself but is like at every turn like right. told that it's wrong yeah so, and so they're still in this culture where it's not right and everything and so the movie ends on this note where it's like they're kind of okay with who they are, but they don't really know. It's not even like this like great thing where it's like, Oh, they found true love. The end. You no. Know? Yeah. And, well, and that's just like, it's, that's one of those things that I love about this movie where it's, it brings it so much into reality, you know? And it's I would, so sad. I would say I, I have a similar, but slightly different read on their relationship, which is a, uh, 
Sharon is using Kevin to kind of learn what sexuality is, not necessarily his um, homosexuality or his preference or anything, but just sexuality. Right. Because Sharon is more kind of asexual and confused throughout the whole rest of the movie. Whereas Kevin, like in the high school portion, is like sleeping with girls and stuff. And then when he's an adult, he has had a child with a woman. Right. So he's kind of more ambiguous, more bisexual or something, but Sharon is still just trying to figure out what his sexuality is. Right. And I think that plays on to like, God, this movie. <laughs> well, I think, I think that Chiron is, or not Chiron. Um, Kevin. That Kevin. Kevin is both the, like the, I don't want to say like the cure, but like the cause and the cure of his ales. Like he is, like not only the person like who helped him open up this, but he's also the person who completely shut him off to like everyone after that. Like, like immediately. Yeah. Afterwards. So yeah, it was like that next day, like him like repeatedly punching him in the face after they had that moment on the beach, like completely like shut him down, like in terms of like being able to like express himself, like because this was like the one time he finally reaches out and like has a moment that's like sexual. Right. Like the next like reinforcement of that is for him to get the shit beat out of him by the person who he had this experience right. what's, with. What's so good about that scene, about that scene where um, Kevin has to keep punching him in the face is that Sharon keeps getting back up right. and challenging him, just looking at him and be like, you really want to do this? And and it's hurting Kevin to do it because Kevin has to save face with well, And again, guys, it goes, but, ba- but that goes back to like Kevin and Chiron before when he's like, like you can't be hard or you can't be soft. And it's like, they're like fighting like that. I like that sent me back yes, to that scene yes, right. of how yeah. it's like, like, yeah, he kept getting back up because that's what like Kevin told him to do. Like when they were kids, like Kevin was like, no, like you don't fucking like yeah, back yeah. off. Like you like fucking keep standing up. And so he's like, well now I have to stand up to you. Like, and now like you're, you're the person who's punching me in the face and knocking me down. But like, I have to keep standing up because that's what you taught me to do. It, it's so good and it's it, it, so emotionally gripping. And right, because like, it's about it's, these like <laughs> social constraints that are just inevitable and are so fucking sad, you know? Like that peer pressure scene, you know, where the, the, there's the gangy, thuggy kids, Trayvon's group or whatever, and they peer pressure Kevin to beat up uh, 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 Sharon. Sharon. Yeah, his name just <laughs> blasted out of my brain. In None of them want to do that, you know. The, like Trayvon is probably orchestrating it all because he just hates Terrell. 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 He is just orchestrating it all because for some reason he has a hard on for to just beat up Sharon the entire movie, you know. Well, I mean, I think I mean generally speaking, we usually know what that is, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and on top of that, like you can feel that you know Kevin just wants to be friends with Sharon and probably even lovers, you know, but they don't. Because of the social thing that they're stuck in, they can't even fucking talk about it. Yeah. And they can't even fucking talk about it for like over a decade before they even run into each other again. And even then it's weird because the last time they saw him, like one of them beat up the other one, you know? And and, and even when they do spend that whole evening at the diner together and they go back to Kevin's house, they still can't talk they about still it. still can't talk Until about Until the very end and it's just like the almost the last moments of the movie is Sharon saying that I've never been touched by anyone like yeah. another man. And, and that's just, that's just one aspect. That's just, the, that's just the aspect of sexuality and love that's going on in this guy's life that at this point, because of how fucked up his childhood was and everything is almost a terrible distraction of all the other terrible things that are happening to him. You know, like it's so 
fucking sad. It's This movie is just such a reminder of how hard it is to be a human being and how lucky any kind of privilege that like any of us have had and have is just... It's just wow, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I kind of... <laughs> It, uh, I just have a big note here. This, growing up in the hood with drug problems, terrible parents, and gay, rough. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie, like, it doesn't at any point focus on any one of those things. It's just, it gives everything as, like, a totally believable set of given circumstances without uh, being heavy-handed, without being pandering or anything. It, it just feels very real, and that's why it's just so so human and so um I, I don't know it's 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 just great yeah oh but yeah also like a Darnarovsky movie you just heard like afterwards you're like wow that was emotionally exhausting yes <laughs> extremely so god i i love we talked about it a little bit but the sweet camera work and throughout you know mm-hmm. the the moving shots yeah uh, yeah i was yeah when uh like in the scene before the the fight or the punching and the beating um, oh yeah where it's like when around. yeah when Terrell is like you know pretty much he like passes Chiron and then like kind of like loops around to start kind of like gathering up people or like you know letting everybody know what's going on and it's like that sweeping shot where it's like yeah focused on him but it's like all around and then it comes back around and then like as he points like the camera like goes out and then like lands on Chiron yep and it's like yeah moments like that and there's another one like kind of up in the opening with Juan and the drug dealer where yep. he's kind of like circling around the drug dealer and they're doing like a similar shot with that as well and yeah the camera work in this movie is yeah fantastic <laughs> um the cast crushed this movie they like everyone there the isn't kid. a single performance that isn't outstanding outstanding yeah. Yeah. i mean from the kid on to bystander number 36 they all just do it so well i like how uh in the first part uh little the uh chiron is he's a mirror to the adults around him you know he he comes into juan's life and juan kind of reflects on his own what what is he doing with his life and so he kind of feels like he has to raise this kid um his mom you know is constantly blowing up at him because she sees him and sees all the fuck up that she's been doing to him you know and with her drug addiction and everything i thought the movie did a really good job at that um i thought the uh the conversation between Lil and ron i was like oh this is like surprisingly progressive <laughs> when he's like asking about like yeah like, oh what yeah, yeah. The kid asks and, and i'm just like I, I i mean i'm i'm not trying to generalize but growing up in the black right. community <laughs> it's <laughs> like i was like i don't think i ever had like a moment where like anyone like talked to me about like homosexuality in like a positive or right. like rational way outside of like you know pretty much like yeah, I, I was either like generally like too afraid to talk about it, or because like all I heard was like, "Yeah, you're going to hell," pretty much. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> but, but what Juan says is just this incredible. He says, "Faggot is what people say to make gay people feel bad about themselves." Yeah, yeah. you're just like, well, that's very progressive for yeah. a crack dealer <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, like, I feel like that goes that does go back into like that reflection of, you know, he didn't want to hurt this kid, like because. 
Right. Because he, you know, saw like, you know, he was reflect it was reflecting in himself of like what was wrong with his life and he saw this kid who was like in need of help and didn't want to hurt him anymore. But at the same time, it was like, I was like, Oh yeah, that is a extremely progressive viewpoint. <laughs> and, and he even says, maybe not necessarily in these words, but he gives the sentiment of it's okay for you to be gay. Just don't let anyone call you a faggot. Yeah, no, that's right. like, like, literally what he said was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's fine to be gay. Just don't let anyone call you a faggot. It was like, Oh, I wish someone would have told me that. Mentor in your life. Tim, why couldn't I have had a crack dealer mentor <laughs> growing up? <laughs> I could totally see a two hour movie about that character. One hundred percent. Oh, oh yeah. my god. I I I mean I thought the movie was going to be about him and I'm not upset it wasn't, but my god, I could I could watch another movie about Juan uh Wow. Wow, guys. Yeah, I'm I'm don't have that many notes because like we said, we we just finished watching this. Right. So I didn't, you know, have the as prepared I didn't have the time to become as pre- prepared as I usually do to watch it a few times and take extra notes, but but uh, man, definitely everybody go see this movie. Yes. Yeah, Please, this do. is this is my recommendation for 2016 and probably the last decade. Yeah, so the, uh, off of that, this is our last of our best picture uh, se- selections. And I have to say, if it was up to me, this would be best picture. Oh, hands yeah. 2016. Hands yeah. Yeah, um, if I was Commander of the Universe, this would win best picture of 2016. Having not seen any of the other Yeah, ones. I haven't I seen the, the Manchester that we by watched, the but... Sea before. <laughs> Yeah, oh, we, we, oh, we, watched well, we saw too, Arrival right, too, yeah. but I, I, even with Arrival, I would say this is the best picture of 2016. Yeah, 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 I agree, and I love Arrival. Arrival, oh, Arrival, oh, yeah. amazing is movie, right in my wheelhouse. I love it. Um, Give it adapted screenplay. We'll, but, we'll go with that. No, I, I was after watching this. My favorite movie of all time is Eternal Sunshine, and I'm, I don't know, I might have to put this up in there, um, just because of, wow. Um, so yeah, I, if you guys have nothing else to say, I think that wraps up Moonlight for us. Um, go fucking see it. Anyways, um, I guess if we're done with that, that will wrap up our Oscar nomination movies. I think, um, what are we doing next? Do we, have we picked anything? I have one uh, idea. Oh, uh, well, I remember Craig had an idea about documentaries. Documentaries? Should we do that? Or like inspired by, like, not like not documentaries, but like biograph yeah. like yeah non-fiction movies okay yeah like biopics know. and stuff yeah like yeah because okay. yeah i mean if we did like a straight-up documentary there wouldn't be a whole lot in terms of like cinematography that right we it would really it would dig just into be or... a political discussion yeah i still want us to do documentaries so i can make you guys watch electric boogaloo the wild untold story of canon films but we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> um i know i got uh some friends want to do uh Oh, uh, kind of an announcement for this podcast. Uh, soon we will be hopefully moving this podcast more into having a guest, a weekly guest on that will recommend a movie for us to review. And uh, so I'm kind of aiming for that to happen. And if it doesn't, don't be surprised. But if it does, also don't be surprised because I just told you. Um, so I have a few friends that would like to join in on us. So uh, that said, what would be our next movie? It would be uh, your pick. It yeah. would be my pick. Yeah, yeah I, was like, I was like, why is everyone staring at me? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I don't know if Julie can join us. If she can, we will do White Squall, uh, which is like a 1995 movie, Ridley Scott directed, starring um, Daniel 
no Jeff Jeff Daniels or Jeff, Jeff Bridges Jeff Bridges. Bridges yeah one of the Jeffs <laughs> <laughs> and it's a if I vaguely remember it's about a um, boat hits a storm shit happens it's supposed to be really good my friend Julie is all about it so might be watching that or um, I'll figure it out if that doesn't happen I'll let y'all know what we're gonna be watching next uh, that said uh, I guess move into recommendations um what you got craig let's see oh i read this a little while ago but uh and it's also a ted talk uh, we should all be feminists by chimamanda ngose adiche um and yeah talks about essentially why equality is a great thing and how misogyny not only hurts women but men as well oh it's true yeah, yeah. yep cool yeah ted talks are always good yeah, it's a 30-minute TED Talk. There's like, uh, it's, And it was also released, like the transcript of it was released, printed. Um, takes about half an hour, 45 minutes to read. It's cool. a very eye-opening and enlightening uh, perspective. Right on. What about you, Colin? Uh, I'm going to recommend The Wire. If you haven't seen The Wire, uh, Good recommendation. Something, this movie made me want to go back and watch again. So... Uh, definitely check it out it's just a tv show about the systemic problem of drugs in the city of baltimore uh, told from multiple perspectives and uh each season focuses on a different um aspect of the drug problem so watch the wire cool uh i'm gonna recommend a video game because i've been playing video game kerbal space program a lot in my off time and if you are interested in anything involving space or the space program or even if you're just a nerdy math nerd, <laughs> I'd recommend the game. It is great. Um, I can go on and on and on to describe it, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to tell you, go play Kerbal Space Program. It'll teach you much about astrophysics. Astrophysics? No, more like rocket science, I'd say. Anyways. Um, <laughs> after that, <laughs> are those different things? Astro, I, uh, I have no idea what astrophysics, physicists. I don't know what physicists. I even said. I might have even made up a term. Because I would think word. like astro would be like rockets. And you th yeah, astrophysics. And, yeah. yeah. How to get into space and how to navigate through space. Which the, would that might have more have to science. do with like the physics of celestial bodies, though. And yeah, the, like oh, dynamic so. rockets moving through space. So yeah. maybe it's both. Oh, yeah. It's I don't know. Play Kerbal <laughs> Space Program and find out. <laughs> um, I got a few plugs because uh, a few people that I know are doing some cool stuff. Check out the other podcast that I am on called Double D Gaming Lab. It's me and my buddy Dennis. We sit down and review video games. I think it's pretty fun. It's starting to kick off some episodes. I think we got like four or five up right now. Check it out. I think it's on soundcloud.com. Right? .com? .com. Um also, my cousin Kate is a solo artist. She goes by the name Mirror Fears. I think her music is great. Check her out. She's currently working on her next album. Um, other than that, I guess close off with uh, just a few last notes of our podcast here. Oh, wait. I've got something to oh, plug. Oh, you got some shit? I do. Ooh. I've got one thing to plug. Go ahead. Uh, I sing in the Denver Gay Men's course, and oh. we will be having a concert March 10th and 11th at the Ellie Cockins Opera House. And tickets can be found at AXS.com. I have seen the Denver Gay Men's Chorus. They are not to be missed. Sweet. I'm glad we're doing plugs now. We should plug it away. Yeah. Um, oh, corrections and omissions. I got some shit I want to say. Um, 
I kind of just want to apologize. I feel like I said some insensitive stuff when I said women's suffrage in the last episode, <laughs> referring to something completely different. And upon listening to the episode, I said that phrase several times. So I got to apologize about that. Also, um, upon review, I said some things about uh, just regarding like minorities in this country, and it made it seem like it sounded like this country is awesome in response to minorities and like. Oh, I said something about Navajo Indians helping out us in World War II, and I just want to make it abundantly clear that I think this country is bullshit for minorities, specifically <laughs> Native Americans. <laughs> so I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> um, anyone else got any corrections or omissions from uh, last week? Not from last, last week, no. no. All good. Cool, cool. Um, all right, if uh, that's it. Just got a few things to say about this podcast that we are currently recording, and that is you can find all of our episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash IWITWT, as well as most podcast listening apps like iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, and the like. You can find us on Twitter at this with the letter U and the number 2. Find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash IWITWT for any of the conversation you would like to have with us about the movies we just reviewed. And finally, and most importantly, please review us on iTunes. It helps us find our audience and grow our podcast. And if any of you iTunes listeners are having problems with uh, our podcast on iTunes, please bear with us. We are trying to straighten out something with our ISSS feed. Uh, if episodes aren't showing up uh we will get that fixed as soon as we can yeah it seems to be working in most other podcast listening apps it seems to be like itunes itself is being fucky so apologize for that don't know what's up with that looking into it all right well join us next week for an undisclosed movie Ooh. <laughs> or possibly white spot or possibly white spot